0: Welcome to the FM podcast, Ask Salt Spring Answered. After many Ask Salt Spring events, we sit down in our studio with Gail Baker's guest and review some of the key points discussed. Welcome to episode 13. Damien Inwood sits down again with Gary Holman, and they talk about the prudent use of debt to deal with aging infrastructure on Salt Spring. Okay,
1: I'm here with uh, Gary Holman, who's the uh, CRD director for Salt Spring Island and uh, soon to be the a chair of the new LCC, or well, not necessarily the chair? Uh,
0: probably not the chair. Uh, an LCC uh, commissioner. Uh, the chair probably will be uh, uh, one of the other commissioners. Uh, I, I might be vice chair. I think there would be some advantage to me being vice chair.
1: Okay, and we've just uh, had a two-hour session with Ask Salt Spring, and... Um Let's just have a look at some of the things that we discussed. Um, One was the uh, prudent use of debt.
0: (laughs) Is there such a thing? I don't know, you told (laughs) us there
1: was. So um, perhaps you can, uh, I think the the issue here was, as you said, there are a number of uh, possibly worn out facilities on Salt Spring that that are debt free right now that we don't uh, have necessarily the money to fix up like the pool which requires a new electrical room and um, is showing signs of rot in the walls of uh, the envelope and so on. Um, various other things uh, that you said needed to be upgraded. Um, I do have a list here. I think you said that um, there was the uh, the pool, the tennis courts being moved, um, and a number of other things the uh,
0: centennial boardwalk centennial uh, boardwalk we've, we've had an assessment yeah. done that that indicates over time there'll be substantial refurbishment um, needed uh i mean th- then there are things like sidewalks in in ganges accessibility uh, uh pedestrian and cycling safety in ganges uh, the, 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 there's the a clear walk, right. clear, and then and then the more aspirational and now I put the harbor walk in that category others would say no that's essential but uh when you when you go down the list of of uh, either facilities that need to be refurbished just to keep them um Operating properly, At the Andrew's pool is the single biggest level. example. All the way through to more aspirational, like the Harbor Walk. Well, there's only there's only so much funding available to us, and th- th- there's three funding sources. One is tax requisition um, through various services like Parks and Rec. Um, and by the way, the Harbor Walk would be a parks and rec investment. The pool, a, a lot of the, the um, assets that are um, depreciating and a lot of the aspirations uh, are in the parks and rec um, uh, category. Uh, and that's a service that the local community commission will be uh, taking over. Anyway, requisition is one source of. Uh, uh, community works funding, gas tax funding from the federal government. Actually, I guess there's four. Uh, grants that you can apply for. And typically for grants, you need to have a detailed design. You, shovel ready is the term. Right. So for Harbor Walk, we're in the process of uh, developing a detailed design for the harbor, work at which, harbor Walk, at which point you can go out and look for grant funding or even raise funds within the community. And and finally, uh, debt. And the, the point I was making about debt in the, the meeting was that by 2026 for CRD Islandwide Services, so that includes Parks and Rec, uh, that includes the library, that includes Liquid Waste, the facility down in Burgoyne, uh, we will be virtually debt-free by 2026. So I'm, I'm raising that because I think, and this is where I use the term prudent use of debt, can play a role in funding uh, either, uh, assets that are depreciating and need urgent care, uh, assets that need, uh, where there's a clear need, like, like sidewalks and Ganges and more aspirational projects. Uh, I think debt has to play a role in, in funding, uh, some or all of those. So I, I've, I've raised it a few times because I know, uh, borrowing money, uh, a, a, by the crd or you know any local government entity we just we just borrowed significant funds for the fire district to get a new fire hall uh you know that discussion can be fraught with peril uh i don't think people are particularly fond of the notion of having to borrow money but but i think done prudently it it can play an important role and uh i think uh, i think we need to be and when I say we, I mean the local community commission need to be thinking about that. And and thinking about it, the the first place you start is to, you know, kind of raise it publicly and discuss it publicly, which is, I, I'm trying to do to at least, you know, kind of broach the idea.
1: So prepare people for one of the first things that the LCC might decide to do is borrow some money.
0: Uh, I, I I shouldn't, I, I can't say that. That'll obviously be up to the local community commission, but... but uh, for sure, they are going to have to deal with, for example, the pool. So what we've discovered with the pool is that the the envelope of the building is, is essentially—I don't know if it's the correct term—but essentially rotting. Uh, We're going to have to replace that that envelope. We'll be getting, uh, you know, an assessment done and and costs estimated. We have to do that in order to to keep that very well used facility going right and so the commission is going to have to deal with that one way or another and in in the course of discussing uh, how to deal with it uh, the issue of borrowing money may come up the, the point I'm making is that as a community uh, at least in terms of CRD services uh, we're in a pretty good position in terms of debt and like I say we'll be virtually debt free within three years.
1: Now, this could be millions of dollars, but uh, you said over the course of the borrowing term it's not it doesn't amount to a huge increase in taxes for people
0: well uh you know to be determined and of course if if you were if you're going to proceed with uh you know voters have to approve and voters would have to understand what the the costs were and and behind in order to get those costs you have to do detailed designs and a lot of uh, due diligence but yeah you you spread that borrowing over time and on a per household basis well all i'm saying is done done Prudently, uh, that that the and, and given the fact that we're retiring the debt, which which basically frees up uh, tax requisition, uh, that uh, if if we approach it uh, in a in a in a prudent manner, the the tax impact can be relatively modest. I know that's all qualitative, and if and when we ever got to a borrowing, you know, bylaw, people are going to know exactly what it's for and exactly what the numbers are.
1: Now, does the CRD have any recourse in regards to this uh, envelope uh, obviously leaking and rotting inside uh, in terms of when the building was first constructed? Presumably there was some kind of uh, performance guarantee or uh, whatever on it. Uh,
0: Is that something you're investigating? That's a good question. I've asked that question of staff, and apparently uh, that's been explored, uh, and it, it is, according to staff, not... Not possible. That that's all I know at this point. Yeah.
1: Okay. Now, talking about borrowing, you brought up the fact that the um, the C R D regionally is borrowing to widen the Galloping Goose Trail, at a cost of fourteen million, and that um, voters on Salt Spring will have to bear part of that cost.
0: Yes. Uh, so it, it's it's not a. Uh, initiative at this point. Uh it's been raised by the board chair. Uh the Galloping Goose, the CRD is looking at widening it, making improvements, lighting. It's so well used, it's actually getting unsafe for cyclists and pedestrians. Uh, so it needs to be widened and and that uh that, that there are it's about a six kilometre portion of the Galloping Goose. Uh, we have been doing our best to to get grant funding. We'll continue to do that but uh, you're, you're kind of waiting for Godot there. We've not been successful so far so the board chair has broached now a couple of times as I guess I'm doing here locally talking about you know we, we may have to go to taxpayers if we can't get grant funding and yes Salt Spring W- would be included in that the the boring would have to be approved by voters there probably would be an alternative approval uh, process but my understanding is uh, I- th- that uh, it, 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 even if Salt Spring voters opposed it, if the majority of jurisdictions in the C.R.D. supported it, uh, then it's likely the borough would, would go to go ahead. We're kind of the tail wagging the dog now. In that particular case, I do support it because I do think it's uh, uh, active transportation is is right within C.R.D.'s wheelhouse. Victoria, because of the uh, Galloping Goose, Lockside Trail, E.N.N., uh, we've got. I think just about the highest ridership in terms of uh, cycling um, uh, in maybe even in Canada, and we've been quite successful in in building and enhancing those pathways. I do support in this case. I do support the the borrowing, but uh, and in my view, it, it's an example of a prudent investment, uh, n- not only to. Um, uh, there are obviously there's greenhouse gas emission implications as well right to the extent you can get people out of their cars and and cycling and the the advent of e-bikes uh it's the provincial government you probably folks have heard of this, a uh, $6 million program of rebates. Uh, that program, within a matter of hours, was oversubscribed. Right. I mean, yeah. So e-bikes are taking off. E-bikes make it possible for a whole lot of folks who otherwise wouldn't cycle, including people like me. Uh, uh, it really is a game changer. And, and, and that's uh, that's what crd is thinking about in terms of this um galloping goose pathway is that as as people g- get into e bikes the 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 growth in demand for that infrastructure is uh is really accelerating which is a good thing uh so in my view that particular investment is a is a good one
1: right now we have our own salish sea trail that was talked about as well um now there was a suggestion that we try and uh get some kind of money out of uh, of an overall borrowing to pay for some of that? Is that something that you think is feasible?
0: It, 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 it's, it's possible. And, you know, in terms of borrowing, I've, you know, there's a whole range of, of need uh, that that could be considered. I'm, I'm not sure for the Salish Sea Trail that I, I would go to local taxpayers first for that. Now, again, my opinion. Um, but uh the in my view the the most cost effective from salt springs perspective uh way to approach that is to continue the ganges hill repaving continue that as a model to finish the the uh, Salish Trail on Salt Spring, which on Salt Spring, for the most part, is probably going to um, uh, take the form of wider shoulder lanes. Uh, and so, when uh, what what MOT is doing with Ganges Hill, which is going up to Cranberry, right. is to repave that. But also, when they're doing that, to um, to, to include in the pavement a uh, 1.2 meter either side um, shoulder bike lane, and then up to a half a meter of gravelled uh, shoulder. That I think is the way to complete the the sailors trail on on Salt Spring. Uh, there, so I that that would be, and and we are advocating. The minister came to Salt Spring, as you know, you interviewed him uh, last Friday. Um, that that in my view is where we should be pushing, is to get the ministry to. Continue that Ganges Hill repaving section by section and complete the uh, the, the trail that way. CRD, uh, also, the CRD Regional Trail on Salt Spring is coincident with the Salish Sea Trail. It's the same Fulford to Ganges to Vesuvius, same area. So CRD next year, I believe, is allocating about 250000 to uh, probably for initial design work. They're, they're looking at the Vesuvius portion uh, so CRD can and should be a partner I would my, my priority would be to look to those um, funding sources first before we broach the notion of, say, borrowing money to complete the Salish Trail on Salt Spring. I, I, like MOT is responsible for our roads. They, they need to eventually repave Fulford to Ganges anyway. And while they're doing that, build in shoulder bike lanes. That's the most cost-effective way of approaching that.
1: That's a very long stretch of road for them to repave, though it's not likely to happen in the next uh, short while, is it?
0: No, it'd be, it'd be done over time. So that, is the, that would be the price you would pay. So we could decide as voters... Okay, we're going to repave Fulford to Ganges. But in my view, we've got other very pressing needs that we absolutely need to take care of as a, a community. Uh, and and given the fact that it is an MOT right-of-way, given the fact that it is uh, coincident with the CRD Regional Trail, I would be pushing uh, those uh, governments to, to fund it first. But, yeah, the downside of that, particularly with MOT, well probably with both parties, is it would take time to do that. Okay, uh, I personally <laughs> am willing to live with that if it means we can get it funded uh, by regional and provincial bodies. M- maybe the LCC uh, won't agree with that. But, you know, the other thing too is we, c- we can't forget about Ganges. So uh, w- the Transportation Commission... Uh, which is now being dissolved and that service would be taken over by the LCC commissioned a study of active transportation in the Ganges area so uh, cycle and uh, pedestrian uh, infrastructure in Ganges uh, the, that to me for our local tax dollars would be the priority that's where you get the biggest bang for the buck that's where most of the interactions are that's where uh, you know visitors uh, and and residents are driving walking cycling and we absolutely need uh, better infrastructure in downtown Ganges so I, I don't want uh, again me speaking personally uh, I, I wouldn't want the Salish trail to uh, overshadow uh, the the need to for a pedestrian cycling infrastructure in Ganges. And if, if, if I was m- making the choice, and again, this will be the LCC decision, my priority for local dollars would be Ganges, uh, and then look to regional and senior governments to be the primary funding sources for the Salish Trail.
1: Okay, now we did spend a, quite a bit of time on um, health care, which I, I know is not part of uh, the LCC's mandate. But um, Kurt Firestone came and he did talk about Lady Minto and the money that the CRD had uh, invested in the new emergency room, and um, he wanted to know if there was any guarantee of on staffing levels in writing because of the fact that the doctors are saying they don't have enough people to to run the emergency department now. Um, now I think you said that there was some kind of a letter uh, that, um, but there was no guarantee that um, that they would. Be meeting certain staffing levels is that right
0: yeah they, so uh yeah uh, the seared seared through the hospital district contributed 3.74 million to that twelve and a dollar uh facility uh it, great news for salt spring uh look i get the concern uh, about um uh, uh doctors and and nurses for that matter um it, so island health has committed to uh, not only being the project manager uh for the construction but also to hire additional uh, uh doctors and nurses to operate the facility uh, of course if it turns out that um they're not providing the funding uh then absolutely, I'll be first in line uh, uh, objecting to that, taking it to the board, you know, whatever we have to do. But we're not there yet, so let's not... um Let's not get too excited at this point. It's it's absolutely valid to have the concern and to keep a watchful eye, but we're, we're not there yet. Uh, and there is no legal. We can't take Island Health to court uh, if they don't follow through on the funding. I don't think the funding will be a problem. Getting people to fill the positions might be a problem um so that that then goes to issues like housing and and related matters like that 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 can be a constraint to getting people to to work here but um you know in my view let's cross that bridge when we come to it and no there's um you you can't sue island health uh if they're not providing the funding but like i say i don't think the funding will be the issue um i think it'll be filling the positions just like with the vacancies now though the the like uh over 40, I've heard, over 40 health workers, and that's not just doctors, nurses, but it's people who maintain the building and clean the building, and w- w- which are essential for that facility. The positions are funded. The, the difficulty isn't Island Health. With the funding commitment, the difficulty is finding uh, people to fill the positions, which isn't – it's not just an issue here, but, you know, province-wide. And not just health, but a whole range of sectors are – BC ferries, I mean, go down the list. Uh, uh, It's a a remarkable kind of disconcerting situation where uh, there are – there are thousands of jobs going unfilled for reasons that I don't entirely know. I know housing is, is definitely an issue, and, and both the, the Hospital Foundation, which purchased the Seabreeze, and hopefully at some point that'll get resolved, um, but also Island Health itself are um, securing accommodation for health workers.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, talking of ferries, you did mention something which uh, you said had gone under the radar for most of us. That the the BC government had committed five hundred million to stabilizing fares on the minor routes. Um, what what's the impact of that? Uh, do you think?
0: Uh, now, is it just minor routes? Uh, I. I I thought it was but I stand to be corrected if it includes major routes but I think the focus was minor because it it's the the, the you know the major routes like Schwartz Bay to Wassen, they they basically recover their costs right because of the volumes right. so I I think it is uh minor routes and uh all I know is what the what the minister stated is without that 500 million uh, injection, uh, fares could be increasing at nine or 10 percent a year, whereas well. they're they're trying to keep them down in the two three percent you know kind of rate of inflation, and. E- yeah it's it's gone almost completely unnoticed like we we focus in on uh, the service disruptions at and vesuvius and and occasionally at, at Fulford and uh the congestion and the safety issues and the, you know all valid issues in those terminals i just pointing out and want to remind folks that the provincial uh government has made this this huge contribution to keeping uh fares uh within a uh, let's say, a reasonable range, and it's just kind of gone under the radar. Right.
1: So to mix metaphors, there's light at the end of the tunnel,
0: right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, just be careful it's not a train. Exactly. Okay, <laughs> thanks, Gary. Uh, thanks for joining me today, and uh, this is, as usual, is an Ask Salt Spring uh, podcast, and my name is Damien Inwood. I'm cheer. I'm on cheer.fm, the voice of the southern Gulf Islands. <laughs>